you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams. Now celebrating 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams is the originator of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as its ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are each made with premium materials. Get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code PODCAST15. Walk into a stadium, 8,000 people, they all want you to lose. But as long as you got your 26 guys ready to kick ass or kick butt, you're going to be all right. Sorry, I swear. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to yet another episode of the Shock Factor Podcast, where I, Stephen Shock, am joined by the equally beautiful and handsome Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman. Fellas, how are we doing this, uh, this fine weekend? We're doing great, Steve. I went out to dinner last night with a buddy, and we split a whole Peking duck. And then I said, I'm still hungry. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, I could eat a whole burrito. And he said, okay, let's do it. And so we walked to Chipotle, and I had a whole burrito. That was my weekend. And how did that, how did that turn out for you and your insides, Jake Mintz, before we transition to Steve's current uh, – intestinal situation uh, I went honestly pretty well like I didn't have any lingering effects I just felt really heavy the rest of the night like I'd swallowed a cinder block going full Peking duck that's good parlay into the Chipotle burrito but Steve how was your weekend did you watch a lot of college baseball did you eat any Peking duck I did not eat any Peking duck um Watched a good bit of college baseball, believe it or not, and I watched did, some high school baseball as well. You did peak? Did you peaking some baseball? I yeah, I peakinged at some baseball. At some baseball, um, okay. Saturday, the Cape Henlopen Vikings. We had a pretty far away away game at Archbishop Spalding, which I'm sure you guys have heard of back on the Maryland side of things. And I I get to the team bus. I I was like, man, did I forget anything? No, I got everything. I got my hat. I'm I'm a coach. I don't really need much. And we get to the field, and I'm like, oh, I forgot to eat. And this is a high school trip. We don't really, like, stop. So we get to the field a little bit early, about 30 minutes early. So I, I did what any good coach would do, and I door-dashed myself McDonald's. So I, I had that over the weekend. And then today, I I had Chipotle, but I I don't think I I, I think I got a bad batch. Mm-hmm. Um, so unlike just, LSU, this Chipotle is not sitting pretty in the SEC. The <laughs> SEC being Steve's stomach. Yeah. So again, it is. It just it just holds it just, more. Yeah, it just hurts more. Uh, so that's storyline to watch over the course of this podcast is is Steve's digestive system. But we do we are going to get into all kinds of college baseball. Maybe we will even talk about LSU. 
uh, what a shock that would be. But we're just going to get right into it. As always, we'll talk about the teams, the moments, the players that caught our attention over the last week or so in college baseball. And Steve, let's not let's not beat around the bush, all right? Let's just get straight to the tickling. Who be tippling your giblets this weekend? I think we all have the same answer. And uh, let's, 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 let's just start right there. Who we got? Yeah, so the giblets were tickled, which this is actually a place, believe it or not, location geographically. I've had my giblets tickled more. It's just, it's been a place that's meant a lot to me. It was in Columbia, South Carolina, where the Auburn Tigers took a series from the number two ranked Gamecocks, which was just incredible. It's it's a hard place to win. They got a tough crowd. Um, I've lost a game to them. I've won a game against them. It it was equally tough to lose as it was to win. You know, they they just they bring a great energy. So taking two out of three there, especially with the South Carolina team they have this year, is just incredible. Here's what impressed me about this about this series win, and 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 maybe a larger theme about the SEC this season as a whole, is that basically every team, except for maybe one has grabbed our attention at least one weekend during this season. Obviously, er- who has not grabbed your attention? Who- Who's not grabbed your attention? I think I know, but okay, just go ahead. I, who- I think the answer is Texas A&M, even though they are 9 and 12. Yeah. Um, and I know Ole Miss is like by far the worst, but like obviously early on we had Missouri. We were like, oh my God, Mizzou, look at them. Well, now they're 5 and 16 in the league. That's kind of good. So I was, but they had their moments. Like even Georgia, right, last week with that Arkansas, we were like, oh my God, Georgia. Kentucky, of course, this amazing start. Mississippi State, as bad as they've been, they've had their weekend. And now Auburn which is the reason why I love this, because I had to pay attention to them. I really have not locked in on the Auburn Tigers. But, Steve, who are some of your favorite? We could talk about, you know, you know, who helped them win this series. I know we talked a little bit about one of these guys last week. But, yeah, who, who on the Tigers be, be doing the tickling for you? Well, it, it's just about all of them, just because they have such a complete lineup. I mean, you got Ike Irish, who's always swinging it. He's got a hot bat. We got Cooper McMurray, who had just – an insane weekend and then Bryson Ware of course he's going to deliver and then you're just you go down the lineup one through nine and it's like yeah Ike Irish he's going to do stuff Chris Stanfield he's going to do stuff I I could just go through it all and that's what makes them so dangerous and you know everyone's like okay Ike Irish he's one of the best catchers we got out there and Nate LaRue he just steps up and has some great performances back there and it's like okay what it's more of a question of what can't this team do at this point in my mind just because they've showed us when they're on what they can be and when they're on they can be like one of the best teams in the nation so I was just really impressed by them overall the thing about Auburn right like obviously last year it was the Sonny D show right like that was what we were paying attention to but beyond him it was a pretty straightforward group there weren't a lot of headline grabbers. And that was the situation a couple years ago when this team went to Omaha. And I like that their home ballpark is called Plains Man Park because this team is full of plain men. They go out and they hit and they run and they listen to Butch Thompson and they emerge victorious more often than they don't. Do I have anything else to say about Auburn? Not yet. I, I really don't. However... I'm sure they will make me pay more attention to them as the year goes on. And this was a good start. Pop quiz, Steve, where is Auburn University located? War Eagle. <laughs> um, 
You mean the the zip? What, what do you, how do you want him to answer this? Like, I want him to answer. Uh, I'll take state, and I would love town name. It's in don't Google Alabama. It. I know okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Because you know the, the reason I bring this up is because you probably know every other SEC town. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not great at geography. It's, okay. I just want to say, I think this is a good point because every other place in the SEC, it's it's just Auburn. It's literally... It's just, it's just really, Auburn. Like, it's literally Auburn. You don't have to think too hard, Steve. I don't want you to hurt yourself. It's Auburn, it's Alabama. Called Auburn Alabama. I, I didn't want to say that and it'd be like a gotcha moment, like, oh, this doofus. Yeah. You know. I double-dog gotcha. But it's, the only, it's you, the only one, right, of all the SEC schools... All the other ones have a, a, an actual city town name that, like, is very synonymous. Like, gives you a very feeling, like Starkville and Oxford and you know Knoxville and even Lexington, Gainesville, Columbia. Like all these different places. You know, two Columbias, of course. College Station, you know, and then it's just Auburn, right? As you said, Plainsman Park. <laughs> it's like a generic, like MLB the Show stadium that is like the the, the default park if you're playing in like Double A and MLB the Show. You're playing in Plainsman Park. So um, no, I totally, I totally agree with with that assessment, it, Jake. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. I think the reasoning for it is because, like, if you're an opposing team and it's like, oh, we just hit a home run down in Auburn. Like, mm. what are we down to Auburn? What what does that mean? It could it could sound kind of weird. Whereas, like, if you say down in Starkville, you're never gonna assume, oh, we're losing to Starkville unless you're playing the Starkville team. So, like, for whatever reason, I knew their field is Plainsman Park because when I tweet, I tweet in Plainsman <laughs> Park opposed to in Auburn. I I don't know. That's fascinating. I'm, I'm, I was truly stumped. Here's the last thing I want to say about Auburn um, on top of – I think Jake's assessment is totally fair in terms of the, the personalities that don't necessarily jump off the screen. But it is a good mix, especially on offense. I mean, the pitching staff, boy, do I really not know who's on this pitching staff. Joseph Gonzalez, Gonzalez was the big draft name coming into the year, and he's been hurt. I think he's made one start. So we've barely seen him. Tommy Vale, you know, he's 25 years old. Transfer, he's obviously been pretty good. But the offense is a great mix, right? You have the freshman in Ike Irish, one of the best freshmen in the country. You have the super old dudes in Casey Howell and Bryson Ware and Bobby Pierce who have been there forever. But I think we really need to start appreciating Cooper McMurray, not just because of his, you know, his trick shots last week off the two two foul poles, but another big weekend this week. And hello guys, this dude's listed at 6'3, 258. He might not be Sunny D, but it's it's not a, I mean, we do have another transfer here who hits absolute bombs and is like carrying this offense now. And he's like a regular, he's like 21 years old. I mean, he started at Kansas. He comes over. So, you know, he's not necessarily, I think he's from Oklahoma. Uh, But, you know, it's kind of great that we just (laughs) have this big dude uh, raking for Auburn again. So that's definitely what I like about about this team. But clearly they they have our attention now. And, you know, like when you win a series like this, it's like, all right, well, we'll probably see him in a regional and we'll we'll pay attention to them then. So credit to Auburn. Sunny C. Sunny C. Sunny C. Sure. Yeah. Do we have a nickname for Cooper McMurray? I, I would love, I would love to know. So, let probably Big let Mac. Us, Anyone who's large and their last name is MC is usually Big yeah. Mac. Um, I would. I I just learned that Auburn University used to be called uh, Alabama A and T. Oh, A and T. Okay. A and M. A and M. A and M. Is an Alabama A and M still? Doesn't that still exist? Oh wow! It had like five different names. It was. Agricultural and Mechanical College, A&M of Alabama. And then it was changed. 
uh, to the Alabama Poly- Polytechnic Institute, API. So Alabama Poly. Do, do they? Doesn't Alabama A&M still exist, or is that like a different school now? Or am I? Am I, I think crazy? so. I, okay. I. And then they only changed the name to Auburn in 1960. Mm. That was like yesterday, mm. Steve. You remember 1960, right? Oh You're really old as shit. It was Steve's yeah, sophomore that year. Was, uh, that was the year before uh, Sienna hired Tony Rossi. <laughs> all, roads, all roads lead back to well, Tony Rossi. Well, okay. <laughs> Tony Rossi, when he started coaching college baseball, Auburn had only been Auburn University for nine years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's how far back we're talking. Uh, Auburn, and also, again, like really close. They were, what, nine outs away from – from getting the sweep, but credit to South Carolina for salvaging on Sunday. Not too worried about them. I mean, their pitching is a little bit of a weird, weird situation, but credit to Auburn. They go down to Columbia. They get the job done. Jake, which team would we like to talk about next? I would like to talk about the Clemson Tigers all year. Right. We've been, or I guess going up to Boston of- with the team from South Carolina. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Clemson looketh relatively back. I was locked in to the third game of the series, which featured a gentleman by the name of Caden Grice. How much have you guys watched Caden Grice? He's he was very famous as a freshman. I know you've seen again ACC. So so yeah. Well, what's your what's your Caden Grice scouting report, Steve? Um, he is incredibly good at baseball in the sense that, like you know how some guys it just everything looks easy for them, like. Like, when you watch Michael Jordan take a jump shot, it's like, oh, that's natural. You watch Tiger Woods swing a golf club, it's like, oh, that's natural. That's that's Caden Grice with, like, everything he does on a baseball field. He's one of yeah. the few He's one of the few people I, like, wholeheartedly remember facing that, like, didn't hit a home run off me. I remember those people easily. But, like, he hit a fly out off me that, it was definitely an up home run, which we've discussed. But even I was like, "Oh, that 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 could go really far." Um, you but know the I, meme. You know the meme where it's like, "Mom, we have. Can I have this? No, we have this at home. Mm-hmm. This at home. Like, Mom, can I have Jack Caglione? No, we have Jack Caglione at home. And then you get home and it's Caden Grice, and you're like, "Oh, that's great." Yeah. That's pretty good. That's like 93% of Jack Caglione. Like, I'm totally fine with that. That was my takeaway. Like, big, tall, lefty. He's, Jordan, like, this is a bad comp for people who watch college baseball, but he's just Kyle Muller mm. physically. Mm-hmm. Like, just enormous shoulders. Yep. No, that's similar arm slot. Like, he's a very, he's not like blowing guys away in the same way that Caglione is, but he also can throw strikes. More strikes. Um, which more Jack strikes. Can, more yeah. strikes. <laughs> he throws more strikes than Jack Caglione. Again, it's like a similar kind of thing, yeah. right? But it's like, if you turned all the sliders down on him. So he was he was awesome in that last game against Boston College. I believe he went eight innings. Am seven I right eight, I think. about that? Yeah. I think seven or eight innings went deep into that ball game. Homered uh, in the first game of that series as well. Clemson looking like Eric Bakich already has his boys humming and purring a little bit. Yeah, Caden Grice, eight innings, two hits, one run, nine Ks, only two walks. That is exactly what you are looking for while also going one for two at the plate. So a couple things on Grice. You mentioned uh, right, like almost a, a diet version of, of Caglione. That makes his, his pro prospects very interesting. 
just because you can more like Caglione right now. It's like if he's got 80 raw, if he was draft eligible this year, it's like he's a hitter. <laughs> he's, he's go a hit, hitter. right? With Grice, you can make a much more real argument on both sides of the ball. I have been impressed this year with him cutting down on the strikeouts at the play at least a little bit. He struck out 97 times last year, like a 35% strikeout oh. rate. This year it's down to around 27%, which is much more, I think, uh, you know, tolerable. Uh, but he's got crazy juice, and he is uh, definitely a fun pitcher to watch. But credit to Clemson because they opened ACC play losing three straight series to Duke, to Georgia Tech, and then swept by Wake Forest. And since then, they've won series at Florida State, home against Notre Dame, swept on the road at NC State, and now win the series at Boston College. They still have a tough finish with Louisville, uh, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina coming up. But, like, they put themselves in really good position here. Road, road uh, series win at Boston College, and obviously the sweep last week at NC State. I, I, I totally agree. And, uh, and, yeah, like, some of these new coaches took a little bit of time to get rolling, but clearly uh, Bankage has, has got, got them, them boys in orange playing some pretty good ball, pretty good ball. I really like the top of their lineup. Canarella, Ingle, Taylor, and Grice is a very impressive one through four. I do think we should stay in the ACC and talk about Duke mm. because I think, yeah, Steve? Can, can I just give one last note on oh, the please, Clemson yes. series? Yes. Oh, just, you want to talk about UVA Duke? Yeah, sure. Go <laughs> no, ahead. Okay. We'll make him, but go ahead. No, go ahead. We're, say more nice that didn't about happen. That series, I don't know what you're talking about. But I did want to say on Sat- like Saturday's game against Boston College, like that, even though it was a loss, like the pitching for BC was just lights out that game. I mean, you got John West throwing six innings and just honestly shoving. He only allowed one run, and then you got Joey Ryan coming in in relief, throwing three shutout. Like it's just, it's just really strong. And of course, with Boston College, I, I, I gotta give one shout out. My friend from Boston College, one of my favorite people in baseball, has uh, announced he's retiring today. So. Joey Walsh, I love you. Um, just wanted to give him a shout-out real quick. And now we can talk about UVA and <laughs> If we must. Wow. Good shout-out to Joey Walsh. Definitely a, a BC legend. Um, but let's talk about Duke because Duke is the other ACC team that has really heated up uh, lately, have now won. Have they lost an ACC series? I guess they lost at UNC, but – um, they beat you know Pitt. They beat Virginia. I guess they split with Virginia Tech. They also won a road series at BC. Swept Louisville last week, and then this weekend, much to the chagrin of Mister uh, Shock on the other side of this Zoom, taking the series in Charlottesville. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. It's okay. Let's not make this about our concerns about UVA. Let's make this about how good Duke looks. Jake, start us off. MJ Metz. Oh, baby. Oh, I love it. MJ Metz. I'm growing up. I want to be like MJ, okay? Make me like MJ. Jumping from the foul line to the tune of 11 ding-dongs. Mr. Metz, meet the Metz. He comes over from Division Three Trinity. No, not the one. Not Trinity College in Connecticut. Trinity University. Okay, the Trinity San Tigers. Antonio. San Antonio. And he gets off to a slowish start this year. Okay. Well, he's getting off to a pretty steamy finish, motherfuckers, because he has hit one, two, three, four, five, six home runs. He had a stretch where he hit six home runs in, uh, in seven games. Okay. And then he hit another one in the opener this weekend against UVA and then went two for four in the finale. He is awesome. He's like 76 years old, uh, which certainly helps. 
the fact that he's still playing college baseball. He's one of three players in this lineup with an OPS over 1,000 alongside Jay Bashirs and Andrew Fisher, both of whom have 10 home runs. And then Alex Mooney, Alex Mooneyham, he is the guy who is just lying there waiting to truly break out and become the superstar that he should be. Uh, no home runs over the weekend. He did obviously have that grand slam last week against Louisville. But I'm I'm just feeling Duke's vibes. Uh, here's what I want to say about MJ Metz. Obviously, Jake and I are as D3 biased as it gets. But I think that Metz is a great example of when he was playing at Trinity over the last few years. Every time I would turn on a Trinity game and watch MJ Metz step into the box, I'd be like, the fuck is this kid doing here? He's enormous. It's <laughs> like this is the kind of guy. He's built like Chris Bryant. Yeah, it was He's like built this like Chris is, Bryant. You know, sometimes it, that's. Uh, listen, we know we will defend D three baseball uh, until the day we die. But there is undeniably, and this has become less so the gap. But the physicality gap is one of the first things you see, right? That's that is really the biggest difference between the average D one team and the average D three team. That's that's just a fact. But at the top end, in D three at any levels, like sometimes you see guys who are like, why did we not? Like, was there not a single D1 program? I know this kid's from California, but even still, it's like no one saw this kid, like, probably take an impressive round of BP and think, like, you should probably be playing Division One. I'm glad he didn't because I loved having him in D3, but now we get to see him tearing up in D1. He still looks huge. He still looks huge against all these other Division One athletes, and he's been a, a massive, a massive addition for them. So, um, and by the way, not the only D3 guy showing out for, for Duke as Alex Gao, uh, their starter, is coming over from freaking Kenyon. He's been fantastic for them, throwing the most innings uh, for the Dukies so far. So, again, Steve, I know it's hard. It's not about it, but if, if it's too hard to say something nice about Duke this weekend, I understand, but do your best. Do your best. No, I, I can. They just up and down, they, they played really great baseball. I mean, Steve, can I ask you, guys, you a question? There's, yeah. there's so much like natural duke hatred that exists in college sports because of the basketball program does duke baseball garner the same type of like unmitigated hate within the sec that the basketball team does not really like it's they're just kind of duke you know I, I don't feel either way towards them i mean you guys know me like i don't I like one college and I, and then I like all the rest, but I just like one college a little bit more. Like, yeah. I don't really have hatred for any college. And even when I played, like, it was like, okay, this weekend we're playing Duke, but that's just kind of how I approach the game of baseball. I would say, like, you know, I could hear my teammates talk about some schools we didn't like, but it wasn't, like, that common. It definitely wasn't really any, like, Anything specific about Duke, we were like, oh, we hate them. Okay, because in basketball, everyone hates them because they're they're good. Yeah, yeah, that different story. I I always liked Duke. I knew I knew a good amount of guys who went there. And All I right. mean, have you have you ever looked at uh, Giovanni DiCocomo's, uh Did do, do you, you ever look at his roster Gio picture? Giacomo? Did, I was uh, about to bring him up. Giacomo. I was about to bring him up. Giacomo. I got excited. I. I was looking at his roster picture. Have you ever looked at it? Oh, yeah. It is delightful. Oh, yeah. It's an incredible picture. That mustache is incredible. He He's a hard guy not to like. I mean, I look at his mustache and try to read his name, and I'm, I'm just in a trance. <laughs> Here's, like, I'm, I'm glad you brought him up because he was my next and final Duke topic. Two things. First of all, there is a Roman DiGiacomo also on the Duke roster, do not appear to be related. I, I mean, maybe they're cousins, but presumably if they what were related, the it would mention it on Roman's 
bio, and it does not. So that is just bizarre. Roman, a freshman from Connecticut. Giovanni, a fifth year from Florida. The other thing is, the other reason to root, to root for Giovanni Giacomo is that this is an LSU transfer out. And that yeah. he got squeezed out of the LSU picture for obvious reasons. I believe he transferred after the fall. I could be wrong about that, but I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was like after this past fall, he's like, I'm going to Duke. And now he's tearing it up. What a huge weekend for him. And he's like a really important part of their team. So I had no sense for how much he was going to play when he went there. Obviously, he was in search of more playing time. But really cool story for him. And as you said, Steve, I mean, the, the, the picture is amazing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, also, here's the other thing about this. In one of these pictures, not in his roster bio where he looks like he's just very goofy, but in one of the pictures on his, like, that kind of, you know, like filters through, if you look mm-hmm. at it for half a second, you're like, oh, Dylan Cruz. <laughs> which, is so, <laughs> which is so ironic. Uh, but uh, that just, just makes me laugh as well. Um, so, so this team, yeah. I'm pretty sure they have one, two, three, four, five grad students in the starting mm-hmm. lineup. Another D3 Mets, kid, too, Cole, Giacomo. Cole, Hebel, Cole Hebel, who was at SWAT. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Hebel, and then I think that Lux. Lux is yeah. the grad guy. Lux yep. Giacomo, Lynch. Mets. It's kind of awesome. Yeah. They got all the grandpas playing ball out yeah. there. Honestly, uh, sh- shout out to them because that's that's a great Masters true. to have, you true. know, on the resume. Yeah. That can't beat it. Yeah, it's certainly not an App State Masters. All right, let's <laughs> – Fly through the rest of these series from the weekend that was Arkansas sweeping uh, Texas A&M. Uh, okay. Anybody have thoughts? I'm going to keep going unless you do. I, only, have only thought is good after getting swept by Georgia. They, I'm glad they kind of got it back with that sweep. Uh, the Vols are back. Tennessee play Rocky Top. It there they have come home. Some absolute bangers on on Friday and Saturday. Some crazy. It was games, it was man. like now these last couple weeks. It's like not only are the Vols back, but like Lindsey Nelson. Like now it's like because it's both right. They're giving up massive homers to Hunter Hines and like the other teams hitting huge bombs, but like Tennessee still ends up winning anyway. That is the Tennessee we've come to know and love over the last couple of years. So yeah, Steve, I, yeah. I assume you caught some of those games. Those were. Tremendous, tremendous entertainment. Baseball cocaine. <laughs> it it just sucks to be a team. You're like, okay, yeah, we're coming back. Starter. You know what, guys? We'll get to the bullpen. Knock starting pitcher out. Oh, it's Chase yeah. Burns. Okay. Yeah. No, no um, What do we do now? Yeah. Not not recommended. So, yeah, they're back. You know, two straight sweeps. Now they go to Georgia. Um, watch out to the Bulldogs, Kentucky, and then South Carolina. So, yeah, Vols looking very, very, very good. Uh, what else do we have over the weekend? We had uh, let, hey, let's let's get out uh, to th- two more. I wanted to mention one is Maryland. Steve, I know when I say Maryland, you know, you think Panda Express. But now when I say Maryland, you should think 20 consecutive Big Ten series wins. What the how did how did nobody like mention this? at some point during like coming into this year 19 is crazy like, 19 is crazy last week i saw them tweet this like hey by the way we've won 19 straight big 10 series i was like what and i think part of that and i've followed maryland pretty closely you know my, my younger brother david goes there um it's i think because they've like dropped a lot of really stupid midweek games that makes me that gives me the illusion that like they're fucking up at some point but they're clearly not on the week or maybe losing you know at a conference weekend series 
But yeah, they have not lost a weekend series since uh, Nebraska in April of 21. Uh, Matt Shaw is on a mission right now to play his way back into the first round. Uh, and this is just a, a huge series at Indiana. Uh, I know I know. Big Ten is now kind of our new Pac-12 in the sense that we're probably not watching it very much. Um, but, Steve, what, what do you like from Maryland? Because they are super fun. I just love how they've been showing out. I mean, I, I do want to mention I, – I should have mentioned this last weekend. I've been really impressed by Indiana yeah. this year. Yeah. And I, I, I say I should have mentioned it last weekend because then it would have made more sense. <laughs> no, fine. Because, you know, they just got beat by a very good Maryland team. But – Matt Shaw, I mean, I knew he would come around eventually just because I remember over summer, every every day there was a different video of Matt Shaw hitting a double or hitting a home run in whatever Cape Cod game he was playing, which it's it's not easy to uh it's not easy to hit doubles there. So he he had it in him. It was just a matter of putting it together. But you know, that proximity to Panda Express, it always comes back. So I don't I don't know. He um he was the the Cape Cod League MVP, uh, which is no small feat. And yeah, he's homered in four straight games. He's up to eighteen homers on the year, hitting three fifty nine. Just a really really impressive player uh, in Maryland. Credit to them because that that pretty much like sweeping Indiana on the road. I feel like kind of clinches an at large for them. I know I'm sure we'll hear them talk about that on the Nerdcast this week, but like that feels like that's what you would need to do in the Big Ten if you're going to be one of those at large bids. So credit to them. Um, so that's a big one. And then the last one I wanted to mention is, <laughs> is University of Washington. Uh, Steve, you tweeted, you tweeted this out or quote tweeted this. Uh, what was the tweet that we saw from uh, Washington baseball yesterday before they even swept the series against uh, USC? But what, what <laughs> describe this tweet to us because it, uh, I was like, damn, <laughs> look at these Huskies. So... There is so much going on between the fact that the mascot kind of looks like a furry. Um, kind of. Hollywood has the does. two. Yeah, that's it a furry. It is a furry. It is a furry. Okay, I don't, I don't know much about the furry that's community, okay. so I didn't know how to approach that. So thank you, guys. Um, the Hollywood has two purple L's highlighted, and then it says Los Angeles, but spelled phonetically. So loss, like L-O-S-S, Angeles, with back-to-back seasons with series wins over both L.A. schools. I think that if they really want, you know, that, that dominance to prove their excellence over the city of Los Angeles, they should have to play every team in Los Angeles. Oh. Every high school, every JUCO. Every I'm so in D one D two D three. There's literally um, ten division three schools there for for them to play. There's it's just it's just so many games, (laughs) you know. You get that that's their next step though. It's like who's next? Who can take us down? Totally right. They need to really emphasize Los Angeles. So here's my my editorial note on this. First of all, I love it. So it's not. I don't want to. I have no beef with this tweet. This is perfect shit talking. Los Angeles, like it's great. My my only I, I got a my small qualm is that this was a home series, so that like take when you say taking over Tinseltown, but like this happened. Oh, it was a home in series. Seattle. They beat UCLA in in LA um, earlier this season, but this I believe was a home a home game. 
Uh, yeah. Which makes, which just, it, I, like, I understand the, the incredible, um, uh, you know, temptation. It's like, great. It's great. It's all I great. still love it. I just, that it doesn't, particularly with the caption taking over Tinseltown, like you didn't go back there. That, yeah. And the sign, like yeah. they're right. not in Hollywood and then the sign of the plane right. at LAX, like I, it's confusing enough that I, Jake Mintz, assumed right. they were in LA. Right. So that, so that part yeah. is a little, a little. My favorite, my other favorite part of it is like when you think about the University of Washington, I think about like kind Pacific Northwest people <laughs> right. who kind of keep to themselves. Kind of uncharacteristic. I agree with that. I know it's and the other thing about shit talking like this, even though I do love it, it's it kind of has a low ceiling here, and here's why: it's the social media person who, again, great job shit talking the other team's players, and like if you if if they play one another in the Pac-12 championship game, you've now, you know, given some bulletin board material to the other team without your own players having any say, right? It's not like the captain of the Huskies designed that. He put, what? he put Los Angeles together. What What if player of the game gets to, gets to inspire one tweet mm-hmm. to send to the other team and players? That's what you play for, for control over the memes. See, I... Jake, I totally agree with you. I've thought about this a lot because we see this in, sorry, Steve, Major League Baseball sometimes between ad MLB accounts. But that that's like, that's different because like players, half the players are not on Twitter. They literally do not care. In college, this is what everybody is seeing all the time. Like it is much more personal. It is much more likely to inspire uh, being like, oh shit, like. I'm now bringing this on my place. Again, I love it. I, I want more teams to do this, but that is a kind of thing that, you know, I, I do agree it's probably a little riskier in that sense. But sorry, Steve, were you going to say something? No, I, I'm i all for <laughs> it. You know, I, I still think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's Just because, again, it's like, look, we're already pissed off. We already lost. Like, come on, just leave us alone. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's a matter of, let's say, UCLA or USC – uh, eliminates Washington in the conference tournament. Again, I have no idea how realistic any of this stuff is. Uh, I guess right now Washington is down to 11. They're all basically back-to-back-to-back in the in the standings at, at 5, 6, and 7. So we'll see what ends up happening. But, yeah, let's just see if UCLA or USC, you know, has something in the drafts ready in case they do eliminate them at some point uh, in this postseason. All righty. Let us move on, Steve, to our favorite moments of the week. We'll fly through some of these. These are, yeah. these are, this is some fun stuff this weekend. We have to begin with, you know, normally basic amazing plays we're not just going to talk about on here because it's just like, oh, my God, did you see that? Okay, great. This play deserves that because <laughs> I tweeted this from our main account, Sesame's BBQ, and I said, hey, you have never seen anything like this. I've, I've never seen anything like this. Um, and a lot of people seem to agree with me. I believe this video now has over 700,000 views that Missouri baseball tweeted out cam chick uh, left fielder for the Mizzou Tigers Columbia native by the way whose career started at Nebraska now has ended up on his hometown Missouri Tigers line drive into left field from Colby Halter of the Florida Gators and Steve describe to me what happens on this play give me a little even a play-by-play but just paint a picture for us because this is one of the craziest things I've ever seen on a baseball field yeah, so we see it's a nice sinking line drive, and these are always hard to judge. I could never judge them in outfield during BP, so 
I couldn't imagine doing it with the pressure of being an away team in Gainesville. So Camp Chick, he gets a great read on it. He dives for it. Full extension, hits his glove, bounces off his glove, off the top of his hat. Can't really see it, can only feel it at this point. And it kind of just rests on his back for a second. As he looks up to his right, it goes left and somehow just kind of lands in his glove. Exactly like Cam Chick drew it up for uh, Missouri. It, it, it's just, you're exactly right. You're never going to see something like this again. Like, the only thing I can compare it to is there was a show called Sports Science back in the day if you guys recall, and there is this one viral video of this football play where a guy, like, he jumps up to catch a pass. As he is falling down, he, like, flips the cat, hits, the ball slips out of his hands, bounces off his butt, and somehow he just puts his hand on his head and catches it. I don't know if you guys I, recall it, it the does, play. It does actually it's ring a bell. very niche. You have to go find it. And. And I remember they brought the guy on and tried to replicate it using science, science, which we have to trust, and they couldn't. So, yeah, you can't replicate this. There's no practicing. That's what I like. You can't reenact this play. You can't go out to the ball yard with your buddies or play catch with your cousin on the beach and try and do this again. It's impossible. It's it is an incredible play. Um, and I, I also love that like this, uh, this clip that they posted, like the highlight, I had to go back and just, I just watched it in full speed for the first time. And it's even better in full speed. Cause you see it only in slow-mo. <laughs> There's literally, you cannot find a clip of the full speed. I might have to tweet it out separately because obviously they just posted that one and it went crazy viral, but amazing play. And also a good transition to a play that you could conceivably try to replicate, but it would be really hard. And that is Lane Hoover of East Carolina. And Steve, this is a play that to me, this home run rob against Tulane on Saturday, this to me, Jake, but I'm sure Steve has seen that before. This looks like the trout catch. This looks mm-hmm. like the trout catch. Now, what do you mean the trout catch? Steve, when I say the trout catch, do you know what I'm talking about? Can yeah, that time circle that, like 2015, earlier, I want to say. Rookie, I think 12, right? 12 or 13? 12. Yeah, the time Jordan and I went out to the lake and, and caught some fish. <laughs> yeah, that, that trout catch. Many a trout catch has probably happened this weekend, but this is the one we are referring to. Uh, and and do you – I mean, it's in the other direction, but, I mean, do you mm-hmm. agree with me, Jake? Like, this is I very reminiscent of that. It's in the other direction. It helps that this player, Lane Hoover, is left-handed, yes. and so he it looks like a mirror image yes. of it. Home run robs are at their best when the player does not break stride uh, before leaping for the ball, right? There are Mm -hmm. home run robs where a guy camps out of the base of the fence and then jumps and catches it. Whatever. Cool. This dude freaking takes off like MJ from the foul line, you know, flies into the fence, could not have timed it any more perfectly, reaches over the fence like full extension. My favorite part of it, though, is that the left fielder has, like, a, actually a better beat on this ball. Yes. Like, he's posted up against the fence, like, just probably could have caught it, too, and just gives way because there's a flight well, landing. Well, that's, that's my favorite thing about it is that the camera assumes the left fielder is going to get it. So, unlike the trout catch where the, the camera is tracking trout all the way back, this is tracking the left fielder, and then suddenly here comes Lane Hoover. He's like, oh, 
It's actually going to be me. Um, yeah, no, absolutely incredible. I guess the other trout catch is the one where he's like holding himself over the wall and catching it backhand. Um, I don't remember the details of that one as specifically, or was that, I want to say it was Jesus Montero, but I'll have to go check myself on that one. Uh, but no, it's, it's, it's amazing. And Steve, I know we like to give the ECU Pirates some love. They played a lot of baseball uh, yesterday. Is that correct? Yeah, they did. I, I think my favorite thing about Lane Hoover's catch just briefly is how like when he gets to full extension, the way he hits the fence, he just kind of like freezes up there for a second. And, with with ECU's fences, I I feel like they design the yard for moments like this. Like, I really truly do. I think they're like, okay, home run robberies are sick. We want lots of them. That'll be good for our totally brand. Agree. Let's just do it. And I'm I'm all for that. I think every school should do that because like even when you were a little kid, you remember rolling up to a field with a fence that you were just a little bit taller 100%. than and you were like, "Oh shit, hey everybody, it could happen today. I could do this." That's what people want to see, you know. So, I I think lower the fence. Everybody should do it. I agree. Um, I I I'm I'm totally with you. Like there aren't enough perfect home run robable fence sizes in baseball in general. And this is a perfect one. Now, the opposite of that is like in the Little League World Series, the fence is so short that like the big kids playing the outfield are just kind of standing there awkwardly leaning over it. Like that's that's yeah. stupid. Where it's like a risk to tabletop right. them. Right. It's like, uh-oh. Right. But this is, you're so right. And everything about this, I, I love this. But but as I mentioned, um, ECU, I think this was that same day, right? Basically, they, yeah. got, they got rained out or postponed uh, a game, suspended game on Friday. So they finished a game finished Friday's game in the seventh, played an hour of that game, and then played a doubleheader. So they were at the field, I think, for like 12 hours or like 10 or 11 hours. I think they started at 2.30, and the second game of the doubleheader ended around 11. Um, so I imagine it was a long day at the yard for the Pirates. I know they ended up losing one of those games to Tulane, but they still do get the series win, and we always love the Pirates. Steve, speaking of rain delays... This is insane, this video we're about to talk <laughs> Jake, about. Jake, why is it insane? What are we looking at between UNCW and Hofstra? Uh, like, jousting? I mean, I've seen this before where during a rain delay, two guys on each team go out, one on each other's shoulders, and they, you know, do something goofy, and then one guy wins, everyone cheers, and they just do it again. This different. Uh, this is different between UNCW and Hofstra because, like, they got into it, man. I mean, there was real— Combat combat like they were like hitting each other like whacking each other with broom handles if i'm a coach here i mean that uncw's got like a decent a decent shot to like be in the playoffs right i was like we're what do we what do we do you know they they're they've got a, a pretty massive i guess this and yeah this is this is conference play right um, they ended up splitting uh, the series there with Hofstra. So, yeah, I mean, again, this is a case where it's like, I want these guys to have fun and do dumb, silly shit. But I was surprised to see them doing this. because this. Now, now here's what's, what, what my guess would be, respectfully, is that whoever was involved in this were probably not the most important players on the team. <laughs> yes, that is true. But I, I love the idea that what if it was? Like, what if this is like UNCW's best right, players? Right, right. Just going out there in the rain delay, whacking some schlub on Hofstra with a stick. I agree. They really, they really committed to the bit. Steve, go ahead. What I, bums me yeah. out about this is that Hofstra is like pretty close to me where I am, and I wasn't really doing anything 
this morning. Yeah. So, like, I could have just been at this. Well, Jake, in your defense, so you aren't too hard on yourself, has anyone ever really been like, hey, let's go catch the rain delay? <laughs> uh, yeah. us, this one, this one, I would. This one, I would. But it, rain delays are always appreciated in hindsight. We gotta, Steve, look we gotta at it like this, in the dude. Moment. Look at it like this. When when we're in Omaha later this year mm-hmm. and there's a rain delay and like shenanigans start happening, who's going to be like, get down on the field with a camera? It'll be us. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's our, that's our bit. That's our job. That's Can our I lane. say, uh, what you just mentioned, Steve, is here's my thinking. So, rain, right. Rain delays happen, especially certain parts of the country. Like it's all part of it. Right. But I think that before mm-hmm. the game, teams need to declare whether they have rain delay shenanigans prepared. And so that yes. the fans do not leave in case that there could be interesting stuff to happen. Because then it's like when the rain delay comes, you're like, oh, but we know that, you know, uh, Monmouth, they promised us that they got some pretty funny shit prepared. So I'll stick around. When teams go out to exchange the lineup cards, yes. the beginning of the game, yes. go over ground rules. All right. Uh, you know, anything under the fence, that's a double. Goes um, in the reliever's backpack. And that's Santa- actually an inside the park home run. Right. Yep. Uh, Santa Clara, do you guys have shenanigans planned? Yes. Okay, Great. we'll alert the the scorer, yep. official scorer. I, I shenanigans the, are live. I think the alert should come from the head coach with a microphone and a spotlight, <laughs> where he just yells, "We declare shenanigans," <laughs> just so everybody knows, and that replaces the traditional play ball. Mm. But if it's a no shenanigans game, it's just play ball. Mm, oh, I, this is perfect. Oh, we're just what are we out here doing, guys? We're just we're we're growing the game. We're improving college baseball, uh, one horrible idea at a time. All right, two more things we wanted to mention before we wrap up our show. Favorite moments. We'll give a couple more shout outs. Uh, let's talk about the uh, Jake. This is something that came up on our pod recently, but the in game interview, the constantly in game interview. You know, some people say, oh, it's really stressful to watch people give in-game interviews with it. Sometimes it's, you know, players in the outfield. You know, we've seen that on Sunday Night Baseball. But the ones that we see more often is the head coach or the manager in the, in the big leagues. And we got a great mic'd up moment from head coach Jim Schlossnagel of Texas A&M. And Steve, you tweeted out, um, as we mentioned earlier, uh, the Aggies were swept this weekend against uh, Arkansas. And they were interviewing uh, uh, Schloss during uh, is it, you know, two to one ball game, bottom of the fourth. And the first thing to bring up about the concept of this is guys, if you were a head coach and you were being interviewed, would you want to be interviewed when your team is hitting or pitching? Steve? Hitting. Hitting. Because, you know, if disaster strikes, there's like a longer buildup for it because, like, you know, guys got to get on. There's got to be some drama before, like, something bad happens. But defensively, things can go wrong so quick and so suddenly. Like, at least hitting-wise, you can be like, okay, this could this could go bad. I have that in the back of my mind. But defensively, anything can happen. People can trip and fall. You know, people people can miss a ground ball. Like, anything anything could go wrong at any moment it's just more stress jake what is your answer and then tell us what we saw here from jim schlossnickel i think uh offense has a higher ceiling and a lower floor because i think that a base running kerfuffle is the angriest coaches get about anything 
like a physical error in the field, a booted ball, like you could, as we see in this video of Jim Schlossnagel reacting to this first baseman booting a grounder, and he just goes, oh, Jesus. <laughs> right? Like, we understand that he's, but he's not angry. Like, he's just exasperated and disappointed in this video, right? <laughs> he's frustrated. And he, I, I love But he's not he's... mad. The, when you see coaches get mad is base Great running call. mistakes because that is a mental blunder. Okay, so like a guy getting picked off yeah. on a line drive where he doesn't third. freeze or oh. doesn't know. Speaking the first out of third, doesn't know how many outs mm. there are in the mm. inning. Like mm. little things like that, I think would really like we could get an f bomb on the air. Mm-hmm. I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. This one is just hilarious. Yeah, that's fair. And I think his dialogue with Tom Hart's just so funny because, you know, this was one of those games. So this was the second game of the series because they played one game on Thursday night, I believe. And the Thursday night interview, Tom Hart was asking uh, Schloss about how he stays calm in all these big moments. And he goes, well, you know, I got Xanax and that helps. (laughs) And, and, uh, and as this is happening, Tom Hart goes, I, I hope you have that prescription on. <laughs> this goes on. It's just so funny. It's, it's great. It's And also, I, this is also perfect for him because every head coach, this extends to the big league level too, has a different, not necessarily persona, but like demeanor during a game. Some coaches are as chill as it gets, could not look any less concerned. I think Terry Francona is the one that comes to mind in the big leagues where it's like he is not worried. He's been doing this a long time. And then there's in college, you have a much higher percentage of guys that are just so tight, so tight. And these are some of the best coaches in the world, of course, right? It's just how they choose to express themselves. Um, and Shalazis is one where you could, you kind of sense that moments like this, it's just like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> but he's never, never going to really blow up. Um, so this is great. I will say, I think this play, it looks like the ball might have hit the base. I, don't, I mean, it's clearly not a great defensive effort, but. Um, I, I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Uh, you can't really tell him, though. Uh, really oh, Jesus. Jesus. But anyway, it's very funny. Uh, okay, one more one more thing we have to talk about. Hey, uh, Steve, who's your Lord and Savior? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, let's move to Gainesville. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so, Steve, Florida Gators, you're, you know them. You went. You were in Gainesville not, not too earlier this season, right? Yeah, I even I even met some of the guys during uh, uh, during the week. I believe this was Thursday or Friday. The Florida Gators baseball account tweet out a picture of, of most of the team here with a Gator, real Gator, actual Gator. Is it? And I have so many questions about this, but Steve, I think you do too. So I'll let you start. Yeah. So from the sounds of it. Um, they were at practice, and an alligator kind of just stumbled into the stadium. And I'm not saying, like, a sixth year was hung over from a long night from the day before, just kind of stumbled in. It was, it was a live gator, um, like the the reptile. Are they reptiles? I don't yes. know. But it's, uh, that's about as mainstream of a reptile as you can yeah. get. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, I get I get confused. Amphibians, reptiles, they're all different to me, and I, I get confused. But, man, you just have, like, this cousin of a dinosaur at your practice just hanging out. That's terrifying. Here's what I yeah. – but. It, it kind of led me to a very important question, which is which school would you least want a live version of your mascot to be waiting for you at practice? 
I almost want to like do the research here because answering this off the top of my head does not feel like it's doing this amazing question justice. So I would love to hear our, our listeners' answers to this too. So please let please. us know. Tweet at Big Donkey Forty Seven at Cespedes BBQ. Um, but Jake, does anything come to mind? Or I mean, this is a fantastic. Yeah. Question, Steve. So there is always right the 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 mascot of the school when it is an animal is mm. around. You know, there's like Uga the dog at Georgia, right? There's like a boar. There's a razorback thing. There's like a longhorn thing. That's like a a thing. We've seen this before, you know? Sometimes LeBron comes to UVA games, or at least he did back in the day, right, Steve? <laughs> yeah, have a caval- Have a Cavalier around. Of course, yeah. But anyway, at my Division three school, we were the Bears, and one year, in my sophomore year, I believe— Maybe my freshman year during finals, they brought out a little cub, a little bear cub named Boo Boo, Boo Boo the bear to like play with students, like a little petting zoo to like help comfort them during finals. And what happened, Steve? What What do you think happened with Boo Boo the bear? Now I do remember hearing about this. This was, again, almost 10 years ago. Right, Jake? Yeah. 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 What do you think happened with Boo Boo the bear? No, please tell me nothing bad happened. Okay, so what happened was Boo Boo the Bear. Oh, no, no. The bear, here we go. 18 students came forward, weird phrasing, to say that the animal had nibbled on their fingers, breaking the skin and putting them at risk of rabies at a student-organized end-of-year event designed as a finals stress reliever. Mm, yeah, okay? they really relieved and what that meant came forward. The, the only way to know if a bear has rabies is, is to, to kill the bear, okay, so that you can open up its brain, and if it has rabies, then you get all those people rabies medicine. And so basically what happened was like PETA got involved and was like, you're going to kill this bear. Cause it like nibbled on some people's fingers. <laughs> like, and so there was a huge like oh campaign at Wash U, my school yes. save boo, boo, the bear. There were like save boo, boo signs. You could imagine how much fun the baseball team had with this. I mean, anyone gets a hit, everyone's just going boo, 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 boo. So um, anyway, they ended up saving the bear. They did save, they did save the bear. The bear was not That's killed. Uh, this, my- this article says that it narrowly avoided a death oh sentence. My God. Um, I, the language of that makes it sound like it's like there were allegations raised against the <laughs> bear the thing I don't get. and he was going to a civil lawsuit. Here's the thing I don't understand. 18 weren't, wasn't there like, um, supervision that like at some point, probably like the first time the bear started biting someone's fingers, they were like, Hey, uh, that's not okay. We shouldn't do that. They went 17 more people came in and had their fingers bit before they were like, there's a Honestly, <laughs> maybe maybe don't don't go near a bear if you don't want a bear to be a bear you know <laughs> right that's one of my core principles that's why i've never gotten eaten by a uh, bear okay yeah. let's it was a whole thing like there were letters to the editor of the newspaper like save the bear and then PETA got involved and then someone like discredited PETA. they're like save the beer but like fuck PETA. like it just got messy so all i'm saying is having a gator around Florida folks looks cute and all. I know you people are used yeah. to gators just yeah. being around. Yeah. Just be careful because you might have to end up euthanizing. The I gator. agree. Um, however, as you just mentioned, Florida men very used to gators, not 
not a big deal. The thing about this picture that's interesting is it appears that it's on some sort of leash slash rope if it was already wrangled. I'm also fascinated by how the gator is being held. And I would like to know who, which player is that? Um, which player is, is holding the gator? I would like to know that. Because <laughs> tying, it, tying it back to our, um, <laughs> to our discussion of the rain delay antics, are we handing the gator to Jack Caglione? I mean, <laughs> probably not. Anyway, okay, end of discussion about, about risk, the risks of bringing animals <laughs> to campus. Um, uh, but where next? Yeah. Where to? Yeah. Steve, any final thoughts on the gator, and then we can end this podcast. I I don't think any of them are going to complain about the gator no, being it's a there. Great, it's a great photo op. Um, we, we love it. Yeah, it's it's just a stupid thing that you stumble upon. Yeah. You know, you gotta love it. I want to know where in the ballpark it was found. That's where I would also really like to hear about that. So let us know. We'd love to hear more. All right. Hopefully, we don't get a photo of the university of miami with their mascot that would be bad no no hurricanes please all right let's move on we're gonna uh, wrap it up here um just some of our favorite individual performances of the weekend i already mentioned hunter hines mississippi state tanner hall was amazing for southern miss 15 strikeouts for him mac horvath uh north carolina was amazing down in blacksburg blaine traxel our man blaine traxel giving us his fifth cg of the year i believe against baylor i think uh, he was outstanding. And uh, Steve, why don't we finish this off with uh, a little love for Wake Forest, but don't you dare say the pitching coach's name. Don't do it. I won't. I won't do it. I won't do it. But on Mac Horvath, just real quick, he uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but on Tuesday morning he went and got a stronger prescription contact for his eye, just his left eye, and – in Fort, this is from Pat James, Pat James twenty four on Twitter. So thank you for sharing this. In four games this week, he slashed five sixty two, six one nine, and one five six three with five homers, nineteen RBIs over twenty one plate appearances. So, if you are AccuView Oasis, send this guy an NIL contract and sell sell some of your contacts. You know, because that that's just different. And then moving along, still in the ACC talking Brock Wilkin. He he breaks Wake Forest's all-time career home run record, which is really cool. And the video of him hitting it, it's a sick video. And then, of course, my favorite part is about teammates, and it's uh, Camden Minacci. Yeah, there's a video of him running after to go get the uh, home run ball so he could deliver it back to his longtime Wake Forest friend, Brock Wilkin. And I I love that for him, and it it was awesome to see all of that. And uh, I found out on Twitter that earlier that day, Brock Wilkin was wearing a college baseball as rat hat. Oh, oh! he stole! What a way to end the show! From, you are a professional salesman. He stole it from uh, Camden Minacci's girlfriend, I guess their roommates, and he probably took it for a day. Took it to class, is what I hear. And he broke the home run record. That's coming from them, not me. So, so oops, oops, oops. Broke a home run <laughs> Accidental record. Accidental nil. Oh, okay. Uh, big donkey brand. Right. You can go get uh, Steve's silly hats. People seem to love them. <laughs> College baseball is rad, Steve. That's why we're doing this podcast with you. And it has been an absolute pleasure. Yes, thank you to Brock Wilkin, uh, who homered again today. By the way, 
to get to 20 on the season. He has been marvelous. Oh, my God. He broke the school record. Oh, again. my God. Oh, my God. He's, <laughs> that's true. Uh, also, by the way, shout out to doing it as like a regular ass junior. That's sweet, right? Yeah. You have some other guys breaking school records who've just been around for 50 years, but this is just a guy who managed to squeeze in uh, breaking the Wake Forest home run record before he goes in you know, the first round in a couple months. So very impressive stuff from Brock Wilkin. Steve, I think we should end here. Yeah. This was a fun – I had a great time tonight, uh, but let's, let's go about uh, finish our, our Sunday evenings, get ready for the week. Steve, any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Just another great weekend of college baseball. This weekend had just a, a lot of fun stuff in it, you know. It, I feel like there were more memorable moments. Like last weekend, it was cool. There was a lot of cool stuff happening. There were some big series wins. But, like, the moments to them, it, it was like lopsided games. It, it was just kind of a sloppy weekend in my mind. Content and was stronger. This weekend was more refined. There was There's just a lot more content-wise, which call me selfish, but I loved it. <laughs> Um, last weekend was a last weekend was a three buck chuck. And this weekend was, you know, Napa Valley, a big, you know, sophisticated red mm. wine. Mm. Mm. And mm. we ah. we hope we described every every ounce, every note of that delicious <laughs> glass of college baseball. We'll be back maybe midweek, maybe next week. Who knows? You can always count us on Sunday nights. Uh, so thank you all for listening to another episode of Shock Factor Podcast. Steve, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. I hope you had a good time. We could try to explain what it feels like to get your work done on a John Deere. The way a Z-Track mower finishes in half the time you thought it would. Or how much easier it is to move mountains of soil with a 1 Series tractor. We could even go into detail about how it feels to tow up to 4,000 pounds behind a Gator XUV. But if you really want to know what it's like to run with us, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.